And now we'll get into the last lesson of Habakkuk. But first, where have we been in Habakkuk? What about chapter 1? Does anybody remember some big points from chapter 1? They've got three he's in chapter 1, remember? What's the first one? What does Habakkuk think God doesn't do? He does not care. God, you don't care. Or at least that's my impression. You don't care because... I don't see you moving for, to uh, stop all this injustice, all this stuff that's happening in the land. You're not moving here. So what's the next thing? He does not care, and you could do what? More. more. You could do more, God. I, I, I know you can do more than this, and, and you're not doing anything. I, you're inactive. He does not care. You could do more. And what's the last one? He's not fair. He's not fair. <laughs> and so God says, yes. There is injustice in the land, and I'm going to do something about it, Habakkuk. And then Habakkuk says, wait a minute, that's not fair. I don't like that. I don't like what you're going to be doing about it. So what about, we get through those things. He does not care, he is, or he could do more, and he is not fair. And then you go to chapter 2. What about chapter 2? We, we had four things I said, this is what you can do when, when you're in this Habakkuk situation, and he's wondering what's going to happen I don't like the way God's doing this, but I'm going to wait for God. First thing was to do what? Stand patiently. Sometimes you've got to wait. Sometimes God wants you to wait. Sometimes he wants you to, to just slow down and let him work. Stand patiently. Then what? Listen actively. Not just passively, but actively. You've got to do some active listening here. We're not just waiting and, and doing absolutely nothing. We're, we're actually moving at the same time, but we're, we're waiting, or listening, excuse me. Then what's the next one? Right. Declare, I, I said write declaratively, because this is something that I'm going to declare. God is showing me, God is teaching me, and I'm going to declare this. I'm going to, I'm going to even share this with other people. So I'm going to write declaratively, and I'm going to keep track of where we've been, God, and I'm going to pay attention to the lessons you're teaching me, and then what's last here? Wait on him. Wait on him. So many times I've got to wait on him, but I'm not a patient person. And Habakkuk may not be patient either. I, I've got to wait. Uh, sometimes it's tough to wait. But God wants us to wait sometimes on him. Well, actually, he wants us to wait all the time on him. But sometimes, you know, it's tough to wait on him. Which leads us to chapter 3, right into that prayer of Habakkuk. This is where God talks to him, and, and he's talking to God, and, and God is going to, or, well, he's going to remind God of what he's done. He's going to remind his people of what he's done. And as he's sharing this message, I'm sure he reminds them of his prayer that he prays here. That very beginning there, the prayer of Habakkuk. That is an interesting word there, isn't it? I gave, I gave uh, Joe a hard word to say there in the, in the verses. Yeah, that's a hard word there. If you go to Psalm 7, it, it talks about that. In the, in the introduction to the psalm, says it's, uh, it, it, you assume it's either a poem or a song. This is a poem or a song. I think really this, what, what Habakkuk is praying here is actually intended to be sung in the temple. It's one of the things that, that he would intend to have sung in the temple. Imagine them singing these things in the temple, or at least, at least the first or verse there. Lord, I have heard 
the report about thee, and I fear. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. What a good prayer for now. (laughs) In the midst of the years, make it known and in wrath. Remember mercy. What a good prayer for us today. But what is he saying there in that very first section of his prayer? Is he saying, well, God, maybe years on down the road, you're going to act. I think what he's saying there is act now, God. Act now. Thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. He's he's saying, God, work right now. Work right now. Not not later, but now. And God is working right now. He is working his his plan right now. Now, it's not going to come to pass right away, but God is still working his plan right now. And this is where you get into Habakkuk's prayer in total here. And in these times of questions, in the, especially in Habakkuk's case, but even in our case, as we've been wrestling with the things that we've been wrestling with, I think his name is very, very apropos for, for what we've been going through, that we get to wrestle with why are these things happening. We get to embrace and, and hold on to God as, as these things are happening. And that's his name, and that's, that's what he's doing. He's wrestling, he's embracing, he's, he's holding, he's... He's struggling. And this is what he comes up with in the end. In verse 3. Read with me verse 3 through 7. God comes from Timon and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covers the heavens and the earth is full of his praise. His radiance is like the sunlight. His rays, he, ha- he has rays flashing from his hand. And there is ha- the hiding of his power. Before him goes pestilence and plague comes after him. He stood and surveyed the earth. He looked and startled the nations. Yes, the perpetual mountains were shattered. The ancient hills collapsed. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Kushan under distress. The tent curtains of the land of Midian were trembling. I think this very first section here, when when you get down to the end here, what is Habakkuk going to do with the message that God has given him? What is he going to do with the things that he's been wrestling with? What is he going to do with the message that I'm going to use Babylon, I'm going to use these people who are worse than you to discipline you, and then I'm going to show you what I'm going to do even to them in chapter 2, that woes to all the, these nations who are going to turn their backs on God, but God will use them. Habakkuk says in chapter 3, okay, I still don't understand, but I want you to act, and I'm going to remind you of who you are. Have you ever reminded God of who he is? Have you ever said, God, do you remember your promises? Do you remember what you said, God? People in the Bible have done that, haven't they? They've said, hey, God, do you remember this? Do you remember your people? Or, or, hey, God, I don't think you should destroy your people. It's going to look bad if you destroy your people. I... I think God is a God who wants to have those conversations with us. He wants us to say, God, do you remember what you said in your word? Do you remember these things? And it's not like he forgot. But he wants to have that dialogue between the believer and him. He wants the believer to say, I do remember you. Now, do you remember us? And what 3 through 7 is really talking about is this, that theophany, this, this appearance of God. How God stands there. How God is, is all-powerful. 
there in the very first part of chapter, verse 3, Deuteronomy 33. God comes from Timon, the Holy One from Mount Paran. The people know where, where that's coming from. Do you know where that's coming from? Where, where are they standing when, God, when he says he comes from Timon, the Holy One from Mount Paran? Where is, where is God there? Does anybody know? Mount Sinai. Now, what picture that comes to mind when, when those words are spoken, especially to the people here? To that, when those words are spoken, they have a distinct memory of this Mount Sinai and what happens at Mount Sinai. The law, you've got the wonder of God, you've got all of these things, you've got the stuff with Aaron, all of this stuff happening, and, and all of this, you've got a whole bunch of things in. And what, what, it, what it boils down to is an old commercial, and, and for you, you can probably tell how old you are if you can answer this question. If I could remember the tagline now. Golly, it just went out of my head. Um, Give us the picture. Well, the picture is, that was in many different commercials, but it's when somebody speaks, people listen. Okay, there you go, E.F. Hutton. I cannot remember the tagline now, but it's something like that, isn't it? When E.F. when he speaks, and you always had somebody, they, they stopped to listen because somebody was talking about E.F. Hutton. But in verses 3 through 7, Habakkuk is saying to the people and to God, he's, he's praying to them and saying, when you show up, People listen. And he describes when God has shown up before in, in times past, and he's saying, people listen. And I'm asking you now, God, to show up, because people are going to listen. But when you show up, remember mercy, because he's already said, you guys, you're going to have some hard times here when I show up, because you deserve some hard times. In fact, it, if you want to get a really good picture of what's going to happen here, Habakkuk has got to be thinking people are going to die. Real people are going to die. Things are going to get really, really ugly, really, really quick, and real, real. It reminds me, I mean, you, we could read this sterilely and think, oh, yeah, there's judgment coming. But in, in Habakkuk's mind and, and in his real world there and the people that are, that are living with him, they're looking forward to death and destruction physically so that they can learn a, a spiritual lesson. And it reminds me of, of what we talked about this morning with Noah and the ark. That we can, we can go through that story so benignly and not, not remember that as, as Noah is, is out there on the, on the waters that God says he's going to kill everything else. So what's floating in the water around these ark, this ark? What, what's going on around the ark? There's death and destruction all over there. And it's, it's a nasty picture when you really think of it. It's not that cute little kid's flannel graph of a, of a boat floating on the water. You've got a boat floating on the water with dead body here, dead body there, dead animal, dead animal, all this stuff eventually decaying. But, man, it's a nasty picture. And that's what Habakkuk is looking forward to here, this nasty picture. So when he says, in wrath, remember mercy, he's saying, God, when you show up, people listen, and I know you're going to show up, and I want you to show up now. And the way you're going to show up is going to be harsh and devastating. But it is for our good. But it's going to hurt. And it's going to really hurt physically. So I'm going to give you three things today as we end this lesson to remember here in chapter 3. And I want you to write these. If you've been writing things down, I want you to write these three things down. Because after you've gone through the he doesn't cares and all these things and the, the standing patiently and 
and writing declaratively, all of those other things, here is what we end up with in chapter 3. The first thing in verses 3 through 7 Habakkuk does is he learns, learns to remember. And I need to learn to remember. I need to learn to remember what God has said he's going to do, his works. Look at verse 6 there, and in his learning to remember... He stood, my, my translation says, he stood and surveyed. Does anybody else have a different word there? Stood and surveyed? He measured. Took measure? Stood and judged, okay. Stood and surveyed, stood and measured, stood and judged. But notice just the, he stood and surveyed, he stood and measured, and what happened to the nations? They shook with fear. Just at the very look of God. Which reminds me of my mother's look. <laughs> at times. Or my father's look at times. When you looked at mom and dad and you knew that look meant that you should be shaking in your boots right now. Yeah. Or even sometimes your wife's look. It, it tells you you're in trouble. You know, you, we've got those looks, and we know what those looks mean. And that, Habakkuk is saying, God, when you show up, people listen. When you show up and you look, you startle the nations. They know what, what is going to happen. They know they're in trouble when they see you measuring, when they see you getting ready to judge, when you're surveying the earth. When you have trouble seeing your future, what do you need to do? You need to remember or learn to remember. When I have trouble seeing what's coming ahead, I need to learn to remember because what was happening before is a good indication of what's happening, going to happen in the future, especially with God. And God does that over and over again, doesn't he? What does he do when he, when he takes his people through something? He says, do you remember when I led you out of Egypt? Do you remember when I did this for you? Do you remember? And God keeps calling them back to remember. So one of the first things that Habakkuk needs to do, and they needed to do, and I think we need to do, when we are wrestling, when we are embracing, and when we're struggling to understand what God is doing, is to learn to remember. When I have trouble with the future, I need to learn to remember. I need to look at my past with God. So he goes from, when you show up, people listen. A theophany of God. This is what God looks like when he shows up to human beings. And then from verses 8 through 15, he talks about an exodus. Let me read that for you. Did the Lord rage against the rivers? Or was thine anger against the rivers? Or was thy wrath against the sea that thou didst ride on thy horses, on thy chariots of salvation? Thy bow was made bare. The rods of chastisement were sworn. Thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw thee and quaked. The downpour of waters swept by. The deep uttered forth its voice. It lifted high its hands. Sun and moon stood in their places. They went away at the light of thine arrows, at the radiance of thy gleaming spear. In indignation thou didst march through the earth, in anger thou didst trample the nations. Thou didst go forth for the salvation of thy people, for the salvation of thine anointed thou didst strike the head of the house of evil, to lay him open from thigh to neck. Thou didst pierce with his own spears the head of thy throngs. They stormed in to scatter us. Thy exaltation was like those who devour the oppressed in secret. Thou didst tread on the sea with thy horses on the surge of many waters. In 8 through 15, I see 
him describing parts of the Exodus, parts of this, parts of Joshua 10, parts of Judges 7. He's got, a, he's got a lot of imagery in here, again, of what God has done. And this is still part of learning to remember because he's calling back their minds in his, in his prayer. They're call, he's calling back to remember what God has already done to, re, to give Exodus or to deliver or to help his people here. <clears throat> and in this section... In this section, I think he is struggling and wrestling with, after learning to remember, he is going to learn to accept. So he learns to remember with the past. And now he learns to accept what is the present and the near future for him. This is what's going to happen. I've, I've seen your past. I've seen you show up. I know when you show up, people listen. And I know that you've delivered us in the past. And I know that there'll be a future deliverance. But I have to accept what is right now. So I need to learn to accept. And that's part of Habakkuk all over the place. I think that God allows us to question and to ask and to to wrestle with what he's saying there. But at some point, he expects us to say, okay, I accept what you're telling me. And I think this book talks about that maturity of, of, a, of a person wrestling with God and coming to grips with, okay, I'll accept what you're telling me and I'm in with your plan, even though it is dangerous for me. It's dangerous for the people physically, but it's better for us spiritually because we've lost our way. <clears throat> when God makes up his mind, we need to learn to accept it. I want you to feel what he says there in verse 16. After he gets done with this past exodus and maybe looking forward to this future exodus, verse 16, hear, hear this, this and, and try to put yourself in his place because we've said already, I've said already that this is going to lead to actual death. This is, this is going to lead to them being in subjugation. This is going to lead to some real pain. And here in verse 16, you hear the real pain. I heard... And my inward parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones, and in my place, I tremble. Because I must wait quietly for the day of distress. For the people to, for the people to arise who will invade us. Can you imagine sitting there and saying that? They're coming. And they're, they're coming to take you. And inside you are trembling because you know it's you know it's coming. It's about to happen. But in that in that trembling in verse 16 there is something beautiful about what he says because it's not just I'm so scared God. It doesn't just end there with I'm scared of what's about to happen. There's something after that. Look at verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olives should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. What does verse 18 say? Yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. 
Even though there's no fruitless, there's fruitlessness all around, there, there's nothing being produced, we are going to be taken over, they're going to invade us, I will trust in you. I will accept, I will trust, and I will wait. People will die. That real picture of Noah and the ark, it's ugly. The water that brought salvation for Noah and the rest of his family brought destruction for every single other thing. Killed absolutely every single other thing. I don't think we should lose sight of, of the duality of that, that what saved also killed. And God is saying here, I am going to save you. Some of you are going to be killed. And Habakkuk is feeling that in verse 16. And he's realizing that in verse 17, that there's not going to be any fruitless fruitfulness. We're going to be cut off. But even though we're cut off, I will accept, I will trust, and I will wait for you, my God of my salvation. So he's learned to remember. He's also learned to accept. And now, in verse 18 and 19, He's learned to trust. And that's exactly what he says. I will, I will exalt in you. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And look at 19. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk on high places. <clears throat> I think this is a beautiful part here that one of my teachers, when he was teaching this, kind of gave me some some thoughts on and it's an interesting thought that as, as Habakkuk is, is listening to God and as he's asking for God to act he is, he is in this valley have you ever been in a valley when your spouse said till death do you part and they left when your husband dies when your father dies when you don't understand what's happening around you. That those valley moments of our lives. Habakkuk is, is in that valley right now. But God is allowing him, because of God's communication with him, God is allowing him to see past that valley. And to see what's on the other side of that hill. But he only sees that small picture. And now he gets to tell other people what he sees. The Lord God is my strength. He makes my feet like hinds feet. I can see what's happening over there. And see that, that, that example there in verses 16 through 19, I think is what verse 2-4 is all about. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right with him, but the righteous will do what? Live by what? Faith. He will live by faith. And what does faith look like? It looks like verse 16. I'm scared. It looks like verse 17. I know there's not going to be anything good. I know we're going to be cut off. It looks like verse 18 and 19. Even though all of this stuff is happening, I will trust in you. I will wait for you because you are my strength. And he's saying, God, I'm not going to rely on my own strength here. Verse 19 is really saying, I'm not, I can't rely on my own strength. We can't rely on our own strength. You are our strength. You have total control over us. We've forgotten that. We're about to learn that. And, and you and I in our life, sometimes we forget that. And sometimes we get to learn that all over again. 
that God is in control. That's why that 3.18 through 15 is, is not just a past exodus. But, I mean, if you look at it really closely, it's a past exodus. God's describing or he's praying about what God did. And God is about to deliver his, other, his people again. He's about to put them in, in subjection to the Babylonians. But then he delivers them. But it's also beyond Habakkuk, too. It's beyond that. That God is ready to, to do the exodus for us today. Ready to take us out of Egypt. Ready to get us out of our sin and our slavery. If we're but willing to have faith in him. And put our trust in him. And understand that nothing good comes but from him. Because God will always be true to himself, won't he? God is always going to be true to himself. And I believe God will always deliver the person who lives by faith. And I think that's what Habakkuk is saying there. He will deliver the person who lives by faith. <clears throat> you know, you can't have a chapter 3, though, without a chapter 1 and 2, can you? You can't skip to chapter 3 in your life. You can't skip to, okay, God, come quick and act now, but remember mercy. Let me remind you who you are, God, and I know the nations tremble when you come down, and let me remind you of the Exodus, and then let me tell you I'm scared but I trust you. But you don't get to get to chapter 3 without chapter 1. Saying, I don't understand you, God. Without wrestling a little bit, you don't get to chapter 3. You have to have some chapter 1 and 2 in your life to get to chapter 3. That's, I think that's just the, the point. Even though God sometimes seems inactive, he's never inactive. He's always involved. He hears and he answers the prayers God is good and God is just. But what's amazing about God and, and sometimes scary about God is that he gives unexpected answers to prayer. Habakkuk wanted an answer. Habakkuk got an answer. But when he got the answer, he didn't want the answer that he got. But that's the answer that they needed. And that's the answer we need. You don't know what's good for you. I know what's good for you. I hope you guys got something out of these lessons. I know I did. I know it's helped me with, with things that have been going on, with understanding, well, not really even understanding, but learning to accept, learning to trust, learning to understand that God is in control, no matter what happens, that I have to remember what he's done, I have to accept what he's telling me, and I have to trust him implicitly. That's the vision of Ex or not Exodus, vision of Habakkuk here. That the righteous live by faith. And that's how you live by faith. Chapter two chapter three. <clears throat> you know, I don't know if I You guys are probably waiting for something profound to come out of my mouth since I stopped like that. But there's nothing profound after that stop. <laughs> I was thinking that I wanted to go back since we didn't get a chance for the last couple Sundays to meet at night. I wanted to go back and cover something 
And it looks like, according to, unless that clock is stopped, we actually have time. <laughs> that is the right time, isn't it? It's about 11.30. We've got all the time in the world then. I realize I finished so quickly. Yes. Learning from three to seven, I see him learning to remember. He talks about God's presence when he came down to his people. And then from eight through 15, and really getting into 16 and 17. I guess you could lump all of those together because it doesn't really happen until 18 and 19, the other one. So maybe 8 through 17, I see him learning to accept what God is doing. Because he looks at what God did in the past and he says, you've delivered us in the past, but I'm scared about what's coming. So he learns to accept what God is telling him. And then verses 18 and 19, he learns to trust in God. Or maybe even remember remembers to trust. But it's part of his learning process is in trusting God. Even though all of this will happen, because of what I remember, because of what I've accepted, I'm going to learn to trust you. I'm going to, I'm going to go from there. Now that I've stopped myself, I am out of whack. <laughs> well, maybe I will. Maybe if I jog my memory here if I go over there. Really quickly, because there was a, a point I wanted to follow up last week. Would you hand me my folder down there? Folders. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. This is going to be good. <laughs> When I, was, when I was going through last week's lesson, at the end of that lesson, I was thinking this life of faith that we lead, a lot of it has to do with this phrase, how much has he got hold of me? When it comes to faith, how much has he got hold of me? If he doesn't have that, that good of a hold on me, then man, I'm going to struggle. But if he's got a good hold on me, I'm going I'm to be, I'm going to be right in that, that sweet spot where God wants me. I think, and I, I was thinking about Philippians. Go over to Philippians, chapter three. When I was thinking of how much has He got hold of me, <clears throat> chapter three, when Paul is talking about how much God has got hold of him, when he's saying, "This is my goal for life. Christ is my goal." <clears throat> See, I want to start in, uh, you could really start at verse 1, but I don't want to start in verse 1. I think we're just going to start in verse 12. Because he describes about his, him, himself, and, and all he's been through, and, then, and who he could be if he wanted to take pride in himself. But that all of that stuff is, is worth nothing compared to understanding and knowing Christ. And what he would be when he's found in him. And then it's not because of the law, but it's through faith in Christ. Here we're going back to faith again. And then in verse 10, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection. He really wants to know Christ on a level that, that I don't know how many people have attained to 
to really know our Savior. But you get to verse 12, and he says, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now here he says, let go, or you know, forgetting what lies behind. There's a difference, I think, here about remembering the past. I got to learn to remember what God has done, but man, I got to learn to re- to forget my mistakes, my past, my sins that, that God has forgiven. I need to let that stuff go as hard as it is for us to let that stuff go. I need to let it go, forget that, and reach forward to what's ahead. Now, I forget that stuff, but I need to remember what God has done. But I need to forget what I've done. No good of that. How much has he got hold of me? How much has he got hold of your life? And from there, from Philippians 3, I went over to Psalm 51. Go over to Psalm 51 with me. Fifty-one, And I was looking at verses 10 through 13, specifically. Maybe you could read the whole thing. But again, as I was thinking about it last week, jotting notes down in my, my notebook, I was thinking these right here. And it reminds me of a song. We just might sing a song here too. Don't, if, if we sing a song wrong, don't worry about putting it up on the screen. We'll just use the books. Don't worry, about, don't worry about that at all. Because it's all, this is all, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? This is not planned, so don't worry about it. 10 through 13. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from thy presence and do not take thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will tra- teach transgressors thy ways. And sinners will be converted to thee. Do you know what song that reminds me of? Well, that's a dumb question. You don't know it. It's, it's in my mind. Well, I'll tell you. Just a closer walk with thee is a song that comes to mind when I see, when I see these things. I mean, obviously creating me a clean heart over it. That's a song in and of itself. But then I'm thinking, just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be. You guys know you guys know that creating me. You don't know the cool version though, do you? I don't want to sing by myself. That's the problem. Creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. 
restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew right spirit within me. I think one of the biggest questions from Habakkuk and from Paul in Philippians 3 is how much has God got hold of me? How much has he got hold of you? When we come up to things that are, that are world-changing and are world-changing and, and rock our world, can we learn to remember? Can we learn to trust? Can we learn to accept what God is saying? And a lot of that has to do with how much I've let him have me. How much I've let him become a part of me. Look at verses 14 through 17 of Psalm 51. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thy God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of thy righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, that that my mouth may declare thy praise. For thou dost not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. Thou art not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. When we give all of us to him, that's when he's got what he needs to work with. But do we give all of us to him? Do we really give all of us to him? I have to give him all of me. And here's where I thought of another song. Uh, Probably a lot of you are ahead of me already. Let me see if it's the... I wrote it down in my Bible, so I want to make sure before I tell you. Yeah, 662 is the one I was thinking. All to Jesus I surrender. It's one of the songs. I mean, there's other songs in there that, that you could use. All of self, none of thee. That song would also fit here. How much am I willing to give? How much am I, of myself am I willing to lose? How much has he got hold of me? All to Jesus I surrender all To him I freely give I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily Jesus, take me now. 
as he got a hold of you. Do you really surrender all? Do I really surrender all? I mean, Habakkuk is saying, at least it sounds to me like he's saying at the end of this letter, I'm surrendering everything. I trust you completely. And only a separated people will enjoy the blessings of God. And that takes me to Psalm 67. Psalm 67 reminded me again of, of number six where God calls for himself these, these people who are going to be separated and, and that gives them some special, special things that, that you're not going to do because you're going to be separate from me. These Nazarites, you're going to do this and you're going to be separate. God calls us to be separate, to separate ourselves from the world, to, to be joined to him to be sacred, to be set apart for His use. Psalm 67 says, God be gracious and to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us that Thy way may be known on the earth, Thy salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise Thee, O God. Let the peoples praise Thee. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for Thou wilt judge the people with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us. That all the ends of the earth may fear him. Again, how much has he got hold of me? Pride versus faith. The righteous will live by faith. The end result in Habakkuk is... We don't understand, or I don't understand. I think you could do it a better way. But God, you're God. And I trust you. Do you trust him today? Looking at Philippians chapter 3, Paul is saying, God's got a hold of me and I want more of him. And I'm going to forget my past and I'm going to press on towards the future. Do you do that? Psalm 66, 67 
51, all of these saying, God calls him a separate people. Are you really asking him to create in you a clean heart, O oh God? Are you really saying, all to Jesus I surrender? Or are you saying, some of Jesus, some to you I'll surrender. But this little part of me I'm going to keep. Creating me a clean heart, O oh God, except for the part that I don't want you to touch. That's not, yeah, that's not how it works. Unfortunately, it's God asks for the whole thing and wants the whole thing. So my question to you today is, have you learned to remember? Have you learned to accept? Have you learned to trust? Even when God says, this is the way I'm doing it, and you say, that's not fair. Accepting, remembering, and trusting while forgetting (laughs) you and your past. Remember what he did. I want to lead us in prayer really quickly before we close. Go with me in prayer, please. Dear Holy Father, I want to thank you for ministering to us through this this book of Habakkuk. I know that in your wisdom, for whatever reason, this, this series was put around this time. And I believe it was you working. And I'm glad you, you did that. I'm glad you put this, this series at this point in, in our time when we're a lot of us are struggling with things that are, that are happening, people that, that we're losing and, and, and hurting that is going on. And in reality, we can always use a lesson like this to remember to trust you more, to remember that we don't think you're fair sometimes, but in your wisdom and in your judgment, you are always right. Help us to learn to remember that. Help us to learn to accept what you've said. And help us to learn to trust in you. I pray that we act like Habakkuk, that we act like him and in that learning, in that remembering, in that accepting, and in that trusting. And that we also act like Paul in wanting more of Christ and wanting to know more of him and considering everything else in our life absolute rubbish, not even worth considering. Stuff for the dogs but that you and a relationship with you is first and foremost in our minds. And that we ask ourselves the question, how much have you got a hold of us? What in our hearts are we keeping? How much of you do we really want to have walking with us? I pray that that answer is 100% for me and for everyone here. I know it's a learned thing. Paul says he's learned to be content. I think he's also learned this pursuit of you. And it's a constant learning, I'm sure. A constant maturity and growing in you. I pray for that, for this congregation, that we continue to grow and and mature in your son. And that each one of us looks more and more like him every day. And that we can take a message from Habakkuk to this world and, and show them in the most confusing times, in the most frustrating times, in our country and in the world in general, that no matter what is happening, you are in control and that you reign supreme. And that a pursuit of you should be the goal of all human beings. I pray this all through your son's name, our Savior. As I give this lesson in this series 
to the people here. I pray this all through your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. As we close this lesson today, again, this time is the time we set aside for traditionally coming forward if you have a prayer request or something. And of course, we still offer that, but don't forget your connection cards. If you don't want to come forward, if you don't want to do that in front of everybody else, write that down on a connection card. Let us know what you need prayers with, what you want to study about, what you need more information about. Because if you need to know more about Christ here this morning, we'd love to talk to you and tell you about Him, tell you about our Savior, whom you should surrender all to. And I pray that you all are surrendering all to Him this morning. Do that this week as we stand and as we sing.